Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Welcome, everyone. This is HJ Talks About Abuse. I am Kathleen Hallisey, a senior associate in the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleague, Hannah Hodgson. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. Before we start, Hannah, on this really interesting topic that you've found for us to discuss, I want to just give a trigger warning to our listeners and let them know that we are going to be talking about sexual abuse, sexual assault, and things associated with that. So if, if that might be something that wouldn't be the best thing for you to to listen to today or might be a bit too triggering for you, then now would be the time to, to switch off and maybe join us for a later episode. For those of you who feel comfortable in, in staying with us, welcome. And Hannah, I'll turn over to you to introduce what we're speaking about today. Yeah, thanks, Kathleen. We're going to be talking about um, the film Wind River in this podcast today. So it's actually a little bit of an older film. I think it was produced in 2016 2017 but it was actually something I watched last week I think it was on Amazon so please do go and watch it if if you have access to that and I thought it would be a really good topic to talk about because it is around sexual abuse specifically it's about abuse of women in isolated communities so I just thought it would be a really interesting topic to talk about because it's not really something that I've really thought about too much before so it was quite eye-opening to to watch this film Mm. now it was actually a really hard-hitting and uncomfortable watch because it is quite graphic the abuse you see in the film and the sexual abuse you see in the film is quite graphic but I think that's why it was so good um, and Mm. so insightful because it really did like have a lasting impact on you I think you've watched it as well haven't you Kathleen yeah I have I watched it a year or so ago and I I thought it was a a really really good film obviously as you say quite graphic but I think that's quite hard-hitting and and sticks with you doesn't it when you have to kind of watch those those scenes that are quite difficult yeah so the film was actually set in America I think it's set in Wyoming and it's actually specifically based around sexual abuse of American Indian women and it's not based exactly on a true story but it does say at the beginning of the film it is inspired by true events and it's basically exploring how American Indian women in America um, there's an epidemic of abuse um, to these women so I think just doing a bit of research according to a Department of Justice study in America 84% of Native American women have experienced violence of some sort and over 50% have experienced sexual violence basically what happens in this film is it follows um, the story of a girl who goes missing and it is later discovered that she is murdered but she was sexually abused before this happened and it kind of touches on the story of her friend who this happened to before and I think the main point of this story is how how easily it happened because of the environment that they were living in so they were in a very vast forest area covered by snow small police force it was really tricky to sort of pinpoint what had happened and yeah that's really what the film is about and and how the story follows as we were discussing before i have seen the film and and have also watched a show which is on disney plus called alaska daily which is a television series starring hillary swank which 
also is focused on this issue particularly, which which is hitting the headlines a lot more in the U.S. and Canada at the moment about the sexual assaults and rape and abuse and murder, actually, of American Indian and Alaskan Native women, and that the percentages of women from these communities who are experiencing sexual violence is very high which I think brings us to discussing kind of how sexual abuse in rural and isolated communities happens and why it's different than people who don't come from those types of communities. So I think it's important to note that for victims who are coming from these types of rural and isolated communities, it might be difficult for them to get medical, legal or therapeutic help because it might not exist or it might be very limited or there might be great geographical distances between where they live and where the police are located or a therapy is located or or even a hospital can be hundreds of miles away because again we are talking about really rural and isolated places and often people who are living in these types of communities come from places where there is a lot of economic deprivation which also further limits their options in terms of kind of reporting and and seeking support after they've been assaulted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing that this film, Wind River, highlights is there's a lot of themes of drug abuse, uh, poverty, and even homelessness. And it, you know, it really demonstrates well how these things can impact abuse too. And as you just touched on as well, Kathleen, lack of services, and that's something that's really highlighted in Wind River because it's such a big area, but their Mm. police force was just so small and, you know, they just didn't have the capacity in this film to actually find out what happened and actually deal with it. So it's definitely something that made me think. And as you say, for victims of abuse in similar situations, it's a daunting thought. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we can look at and expand this conversation to is these are people who are coming from isolated and or marginalized communities. And we certainly see that that exists in this country. It exists in every country in the world where there are isolated and marginalized communities or communities who have, you know, little contact with the outside world, so to speak. And so there's specific barriers to disclosure of abuse amongst victims and survivors from those communities. Certainly, I am well aware and well experienced in dealing with that because of the different cases that I've dealt with in relation to non-mainstream religious groups, hard to reach communities. So all of that same dynamic that exists in those types of non-mainstream religious groups and the teachings of those religious organizations is often similar to what we see in you know rural and marginalized communities. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is, I mean, there's a lot of barriers for people who aren't living in isolated communities, but it seems to be sort of extended for for those victims and survivors, as we've touched on, you know, lack of support. But as you've mentioned, Kathleen, in maybe in religious groups, there's even further barriers. You know, you have like traditional practices, which might prevent people from wanting to disclose abuse, especially if they're like a close-knit community. They may fear that, you know, they'll be blamed or Mm -hmm. they might be outcasted by other members of the community or even just Mm -hmm. like a lack of privacy because they Mm -hmm. don't feel like what they disclose will be kept, you know, between whoever they've shared it with. So there's a there's a lot to obviously consider for for victims who are 
being abused in these types of communities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think important to point out, Hannah, too, that we're not, you know, inventing the reinventing the wheel here, that this is something that even ICSA looked at in relation to non-mainstream religious organizations or abuse in faith settings and identified kind of specific barriers in relation to disclosure for victims and survivors coming from those types of faith communities. And it's very similar to the barriers that you have identified from your research in terms of rural communities, indigenous communities, marginalized communities, these, you know, American Indian and Native American, excuse me, Alaskan Native women. So I think, you know, it's a broader kind of understanding for for all of us who work in this area, but then everybody really to look at what's happening in these communities, the prevalence of sexual abuse and sexual violence in these communities, and how we can help victims and survivors to disclose and come forward so that not only we can help them, but also prevent future victims. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what's important, you know, with raising awareness. It's about making people aware of the topic and actually doing something positive to see how we can prevent this from happening. I mean, just in relation to the research I did, it was actually quite hard to find figures and statistics for these underrepresented communities. But one thing I did find, according to the National Rural Crime Network, they say that abuse lasts on average 25% longer in rural communities. So that's telling in itself. So, yeah, it's really about just looking at ways how we can prevent this from happening and giving support to these people who need it because you know further support in these isolated communities yeah absolutely i think that's interesting actually that that statistic that you found from the um, national rural crime network report about it lasting longer and i was thinking oh what does that mean exactly but as you have found in your research that rurality, so the rural location of of these communities and the isolation because of their rural and remote nature is used as a weapon by abusers. So it does mean that the abuse can carry on for a lot longer period of time because they are so isolated. And and also, as as we said it kind of at the outset, that often police are quite far from these areas or there might be a very small police force, lack of support services. You know, you can see where actually it would be very easy for an abuser or perpetrator in these types of isolated communities to to you know keep the abuse going for a longer period of time so you know that's really wow disturbing to think about oh yeah completely and i think this is just why it's really important to make sure that we do have support available to people even in the remotest areas you know it's just about making sure that the systems are actually working too for them yeah and that they're not being ignored that they you know they do have access just as much as someone would if they were living in a city or a really busy area so yeah it's really interesting no absolutely I think this is a um, really great topic to for us to be talking about and hopefully raising some awareness of it's something that you and I were looking at earlier as I had read an article in the Guardian which was from April of this year. And there's quite a scandal going on in Canada at the moment in Winnipeg in Canada because there's been bodies of several women who apparently, who were from indigenous communities. So, you know, isolated, marginalized communities in Canada. The bodies of these women are believed to have been dumped in a landfill. And there's been a a movement by the indigenous community to have the landfill search for the bodies of these women and girls so that they can be properly identified and buried 
so far the government has refused to do so because of the the huge cost associated with it, um, which I think in some ways in and of itself potentially speaks to the value that's placed on the lives of these Indigenous women. And, and you know, that certainly indeed, I think, plays a role in why women from these communities have a higher prevalence of, of being sexually assaulted and sexually abused. That's so I just mentioned well, that for people to, you know, kind of look at those issues a little bit. You can just simply look up women's remains in Winnipeg and read a bit about the story. There's particularly a really poignant article about a, a daughter who's fighting to have her mother's remains recovered from this landfill. So really powerful yeah. journalism, powerful story. It's really sad. And I mean, just just to think, you know, I mentioned that this film, When River, came out in 2016. And the, I think the, the sort of point of this film, I mean, at the end, they had like a just like information showing on the screen about, you know, how this was such a epidemic within the US, especially. And mm. it's sad to think that all these years later that I mean, that was in 2016. And, you know, it doesn't seem mm. to have really changed much for the sense no. of that, Kathleen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. And again, you know, because I think the lessons that can be learned from these cases in, in the States and also we're just talking about this situation in Canada, the lessons have broader implications for for people from other kind of close-knit, closed communities, you know, non-mainstream religious groups, et cetera, that, it, you know, it's important to start looking at these issues and, and seeing what we can do to reach out to victims and survivors from them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Hannah, thank you so much. It's been such an interesting conversation for us to have. Listeners, I, I hope it was as interesting for, for you guys as it, as it was for us to talk about and, uh, and for Hannah to research and for me to have the pleasure of being able to read the research that she had done on this topic. So I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any feedback on it, we'd love to hear from you. Equally, if there's anything that you'd like to hear us specifically talk about, please do get in touch and, and let us know. Otherwise, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for our listeners. Bye, Kathleen. Bye, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.